Have you ever had a bad day? Uh, where it just didn't, thing, didn't seem like anything was going the way it should? Where things just spiraled out of control? Yes? Well, the thing about a bad day is it could turn into a bad couple of days. It can turn into a bad couple of weeks. It could turn into a bad couple of years, can it? And maybe that's where some of you are. Maybe you just have a lot of negative things going on. You have a lot of things happen in life that don't seem to be right, don't seem to fit with where you want to be. And, and maybe it's just challenging and hard to kind of get out of that, get out of that. Maybe life just seems kind of miserable, maybe unpredictable, and you're just having a hard time kind of grasping and coping with what's going on. What, what I just want you to know this morning is even though things may be hard, even though things may be difficult, did you know you can still have joy? Did you know you could still have a hope-filled life? Did you know those things and those circumstances don't have to define you? They don't have to control you? You see, because something happened, this event happened that changed the course of history, this event happened that changed everything for those who were following Jesus. And if we just look at their life, we could see that everything they did and everything they were becoming and everything they gave their life to hinged around this one thing. See, can you imagine how bad of a day it would have been the day after Jesus died on the cross? Think about it. You're a young person who grew up studying the scriptures. You knew that people who were well-trained and thought of and had a lot of potential were chosen to follow rabbis. And so you always looked towards that. You grew up studying the scripture. You grew up memorizing the Torah, but you weren't picked for that. And that's okay, you know some of your friends were, but you just went ahead and went along with the family business, whether it's fishing or being a carpenter, whatever that may be. So you start building this business, you start growing a family, you start just living life knowing that that dream's kind of gone, then all of a sudden this young promising rabbi comes to you and says, follow me. And of course you'd follow a rabbi. That's a dream you always look forward to. That's what people did. And so you got excited. You left your fishing that you left your life behind and followed this young, promising rabbi. And it was amazing because every town you would go to, people would just flock to him. But he teached with authority. He did miracles. I mean, this rabbi was like no one you've ever heard of and no one you've ever seen of. In fact, you'd say you had it better than all of them. But all the religious people you grew up with, your Sunday school teachers, your pastors, they didn't like what your rabbi was teaching. He, he taught against them a lot. He taught challenging things. And you really didn't know what to make of it. I mean, in one hand, this rabbi is doing miraculous things. I mean, he's healing blind people. He's walking on water. He's doing this stuff that you've never heard of, things you've never even read of, but yet the people you grew up with are having a really hard time with them. But you say, you know, the things he's doing and the things he's saying, I'm going to go ahead and put my trust in him so you can continue to follow this rabbi. Because who cares? What you come to learn of is that he's the chosen Messiah, the one who's going to reign, the, the king. And so instead of worrying about what people think, you start worrying about what position you're going to have in the kingdom. You start wondering, hey, am I going to be in a position of power? In fact, some of your friends, and this is actually in the Bible, by the way, some of your friends even go to Jesus. Well, excuse me. Some of their friends get their mom to go to Jesus and say, hey, can my kids sit in a position of power? So you thought millennials just had it bad. This problem's been going on for years, thousands of years. 
And so you're like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm in the inner circle. I, I get to be with the king. I, I get to be when he reigns and is seated. I'm in a position of power. So those other people, they just don't get it yet. But he keeps talking about dying. But you know, you don't really understand everything he teaches anyways. In fact, Peter's pulled him to the side and talked to Jesus about that anyways. And as you walk to Jerusalem, you hear everybody and you see him shout, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest of heaven, which you know means rescuer. So everyone is flocking, everyone is amazed. When you go to the city of cities, they are just amazed at Jesus. I mean, think about how awesome life would be. I mean, no worries. God has shown you favor. You get to be with the king. You've seen these great things. You are going to be in a position of power. But now Jesus seems troubled. He keeps talking about dying again, except this time he takes you and you have a meal with him and you eat and he explains that he's going to die and you just can't put your head around it. This doesn't make any sense. To him lead you to a garden and say, hey, pray. Something's going to come up. And you fall asleep like you normally do. I mean, come on, Jesus is a prayer warrior. You're struggling with this. But the things, things spiral out of control really fast. The police come and arrest them. They take them and put them on a phony trial. You hear that they're going to kill the king? They're going to kill Jesus? But this doesn't make any sense because you remember Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Well, it sure doesn't look that way, Jesus. They're saying they're going to put you on a cross. What about us? What are we going to do? And then you see them sentence him to death. You see him carry a cross. You see them publicly humiliate the guy you've given your life to over the past three and a half years. Imagine how exhausted you'd be. You'd probably crash that night if you slept at all to wake up to realize it wasn't a dream. This is your life. Everything you've put your life into is now over. Not, not just a career, but your entire village thinks you've been talking bad about God. All the people you grew up with think that you've been a false witness against God. They killed your leader are they coming after you next? Where are you going to work? What are you going to do? All the things you've been teaching, is God going to come after you now for? I mean, I know you and I have a bad day when our air conditioner goes out. But talk about a bad day. All hope is lost. Everything, your career, your family, everything's at, on the line. And so they do what anybody else would do. They gather together and hide behind locked doors in fear for their life. You see, after the cross, the disciples were utterly hopeless. They were fearful. They were scared. It seemed like their movement, this thing, this kingdom, whatever Jesus meant was now over because he was publicly humiliated on a cross. 
And they went from this place of everything going out of control, everything seeming hopeless and defeated. They went from that to being bold witnesses who willingly gave their life up for the gospel and who wrote best-selling books that we still purchase today. What happened? You see, last week we talked about the cross. And the cross is extremely important. We learned all about what the cross does for us. But you have to know and you have to believe and you have to understand our faith isn't just, remember I said just, our faith isn't just rooted in the cross. Our faith is rooted in an event that happened three days later. Because we don't believe Jesus was just another Jewish man who the Romans hung on a cross because they did that to plenty of people. We believe Jesus was hung on a cross to die but then rose from the grave Three days later, you see, our faith, and I hope your faith, has to be and must be rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our faith isn't rooted in this philosophical just ideas. Our faith is rooted that Jesus actually raised from the grave. That he actually defeated death. That he is actually alive in heaven now at the right hand of God. He's actually alive. Is your hope in a resurrected Savior? Is your hope in a Savior still on a cross? Yes, he died. But he defeated death. Paul says it this way, and you have to hear this. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-8. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For I received what I passed on to you of first importance, meaning this is the thing above things. This is something you better grab hold of. There are first level issues here. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of who were still living. In other words, Paul says, go fact check me, the people are still alive. Go ask them. He really rose from the grave. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, which is Jesus' brother. Then to all the apostles, and last of all, appeared to me as one abnormally born. You see, what changed everything for the disciples, the followers of Jesus, wasn't just the death on the cross. It was the resurrection from the grave. And the message they preached, the message they taught, the thing above all things is that Jesus rose from the grave. And he defeated death. The thing that you're scared of the most, the thing that we know is going to happen to all of us, He has defeated and conquered. It's as if we can now live a different type of life. We can give this time on earth to something greater, something bigger, something more important. Because as you've heard me say before, if someone can predict their own death and resurrection and actually pull it off, then you believe everything else they say. If you can predict your own death and resurrection and pull it off, that means everything else he says was actually true. See, the apostle Peter, later in life, facing a tremendous amount of persecution, 
writes to people who are facing a tremendous amount of persecution. He writes this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a what? That was not powerful enough when we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Into a what? Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Listen, do you have a living hope or a dead hope? Is your hope alive and active? Is your hope dormant? There really is hope. Peter says the cure for a bad day, the cure for a bad week, a bad month, a bad year is a resurrected Jesus Christ because he really has risen from the grave. He really has defeated death. There really is more to life than just what you see in front of you. There really is more to life than just the 70, 80, 90 years you may have on this earth. You see, hope, and and you know this, but let's just talk about it for a second. Hope is all about what you expect to happen in the future. And their hope was that there was an eternity. Their hope was that Jesus had conquered their grave. Their hope was that they would be rewarded and spend eternity in glory with Jesus. That is a huge hope, church. And if somebody can predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, that means everything else they said was true. Like this, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Check this out. You might not know this verse. And they will do even greater than these things. How many of you are looking forward to doing greater works than Jesus? What kind of hope do you have? And they will do greater will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Well, what in the world does that mean? I don't know, but you should be hopeful. That means you can do some amazing things because Jesus is advocating on your behalf. Look at this. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you know that you can live victorious and you can live as a conqueror because Jesus has already overcame it? So Brian, it sure doesn't feel that way. Where's your hope? What are you looking forward towards? You see, the disciples lived into this. They did some amazing things. Their hope was in a resurrected Savior that has overcome the world, who gave them a new mission, a new purpose, and a new design for their life. They could now devote their entire life to the purposes of God, knowing that even if they gave up their life, something greater and something better was in store. Their life wasn't for their career. Their life wasn't for retirement. Their life wasn't to make their family comfortable. Their life was to bring glory to God. And no matter what happened, something greater would be in store. Something more important, something better would happen. Their hope was in something so powerful, it changed everything for them. And did you know Where your hope is, your faith will follow. Some of us, we look at these people with amazing faith. We're like, how do they get, how do they have this boldness? How do they do this stuff? I mean, how do they really live for God? It's because of their hope. The writer of Hebrews says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for. So faith is the confidence in our what? Hope. If you don't have hope, you won't have faith. 
If you don't believe something better is coming, your faith won't activate you to live towards that something better. He says, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You see, faith are the action steps that we take towards what we hope for. So what do you put your hope in? Here's how this works. Imagine this bridge right here. Look, hope is like this. Hope is saying, I'm going to make it to the other side. Hope is trusting in the engineering and the ropes and the boards. Your hope is going, I hope I don't fall. We understand this, right? My hope is that this will hold. What moves you across the bridge? Faith. Your faith is your trust to take a step out there. Where's your hope? Is your hope somewhere out there, something bigger, something greater, and your faith and your action steps are taking you towards it? Where's your hope right here in front of you? Something small, something just, ah, really, I'm not going to take a step, I'm not going to take a risk, I really, I don't have any. See, Paul says this. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. And he says, since you have been raised with Christ, here's some resurrection theology for you. If Jesus Christ has been raised from the grave and you've been given a new life, that means you will be raised to life as well. Do you understand that? You will be raised to life if you have faith in Jesus Christ. Do we believe that? Okay, so since we believe it and it's God and this is what he says, we know it's already true. So Paul says, since then you've been raised with Christ, if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So live as it's going to happen. Don't live as if it might. Live as if it will. Since you've been raised with Christ, put your heart on things above. Put your mind on things above. Don't focus on this. Focus on that. Put your hope in where Christ is, the power of Christ. Put your hope in the eternity of Christ. Put your hope out there, not down here. Because the things of this world, we've talked about this before, the things of this world are dying and decaying. Everything has a life cycle. Only Christ, only God doesn't. The things of this world are dying and decaying. Everything is dying and decaying. Do we understand that? Life cycles, how things, okay. Everything's dying and decaying. If things are in this world, your hope's in this world, your hope will then die and decay. It can't sustain you. But hope in Christ, a resurrected Savior, that's eternity. That's something bigger. That's something greater. Something that, something amazing. And just like you, I know it's easy to get caught up in our current circumstances. I know it's easy to focus on the problems right in front of us. I know what it's like to throw a pity party. Anyone ever done that? And you try to invite everybody else you know? Right? Misery loves company. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, I know it's easy to get so caught up in that. And Peter did too. In fact, he had to learn the hard way. You know this story, but let's just go over it. Remember, after Jesus fed 5,000 people, the crowds were just flocking to him. Jesus sent his disciples to the other side of the sea. He went alone and prayed, said, hey, we, we need to take a break. I need to get talk to the Father. So he sent his disciples off on a boat, and they went off floating, and there was a storm. Do you remember Jesus is left on shore? The disciples are in the middle of a sea. What happens next? Why, Jesus comes to them walking on water. You've heard this story before. And remember, Jesus comes walking. What do they do? They get scared. Come on, wouldn't you be scared if you see something walking on water in the middle of the ocean? 
Remember, they're not in the Titanic, think canoe, okay? They see a person walking on water. They get scared. Is this a ghost? What is this? Jesus calms their fears and says, take courage, it is I. Take courage, it is I. Listen, some of you are scared to death. You're scared out of your mind right now. And Jesus is saying, take courage. It's I. I got this. So what does Peter do? He does what I hope I would do. I, I picture myself being Peter. I could be way off, but I just do. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. How many of you would want to walk on water? All right, four of us. How many of you would stay in the boat scared to death? All right. That's all right. Peter's like, I want to come. And Jesus says, come on. Peter jumps out there and starts walking towards Jesus on the water. But you know this, Matthew 14, 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Peter was doing an incredible task of walking on water, but took his eyes off of Jesus, started focusing on the storm. And that is where many of you are maybe at this morning. You may have taken your eyes off of Jesus and you're focused on the storms. You're looking at the wind. You're looking at the waves. You're so caught up with everything happening around you. What's happening? You're sinking. You're drowning. You're wallowing in the water when you could be walking on top if your eyes were focused on Jesus. Because you think, for whatever reason, the storms you're facing are more powerful than Jesus. To which Jesus says, take courage. It is I. You see, Peter had an incredible faith. But just like you and I, when the storms of life or when literal storms come, you can get scared. But do we turn our attention to the problems, to the worries, to the fears? Or do we attend our attention to the one who's walking or seated on a heavenly throne right now? See, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? What caused Peter to lose faith? What caused you and I to lose faith? Being overwhelmed? Being scared? thinking that something else is greater than God. And while Jesus walking on water is a pretty big deal, would you agree that's a pretty big deal? You need to understand Jesus raising from the dead is even bigger. So we're not just keeping our eyes on a guy who can walk on water. We're keeping our eyes on someone who defeated and conquered death. You see, the cure for a bad day, a bad year, a bad month is focusing on a resurrected Savior. And you know as well as I do that we're still going to experience hardships. You're still going to get those phone calls. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to get overwhelmed. And so what do we do in the midst of it? Paul says, set your mind, put your hopes on things above. Put your mind on Jesus. Put your hopes on Jesus. We're like, okay, Paul, I'm there. But what happens when life gets hard? What happens when, you know, I get that phone call? What do I do? Well, he says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, And petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, look at this, and the, this is is connected, this is going to happen. If you do this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, does that say might, probably, possibility, 50%, 75%, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, keep your mind on things above. 
Keep your, keep your mind up there. And if things around here start to happen to cause you to lose focus and put your mind down here, what do you do? Well, I call my friends. I get on Facebook. I start, I start complaining. No, pray. You're like, yeah, no, but I don't have time. No, pray. Because if you pray, you, he will guard your heart. Then you're activating God to come in the picture. You're activating God to keep you there. You're activating God to say, I'm going to guard you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep your mind and your heart where it needs to be. You're like, yeah, but I kind of like my mind down here on earthly things. Yeah, and you've, you've missed it. Set your heart on things above, your mind on things above. And the way you keep them up there is through prayer through dependence, through asking him to come and intervene in your life. And so I ask, how is your prayer life? He tells you to take all that anxiety, all those emotions, all that stuff you got going on and direct it towards him in prayer. And you're like, yeah, but Brian, if I said the stuff that's on my heart, he couldn't handle it. Read the Psalms. The most spiritually healthy people I've ever met have one thing in common. It's it's something I've more recently found. They all read the Psalms every single day. The Psalms, you will see people pray crazy prayers to God, like destroy my enemies. We're like, yeah, but are we supposed to pray for that? He's pouring his heart out. Kill them all. Like, whoa, David, relax. Prayer is when we really give our real selves, our heart to God. And so try this, try reading, and this is what I've been challenged to do. I'm working through it. It's reading five Psalms a day. And the Psalms will reorient your life. You'll see how people confess and people cry out. You're like, I don't even know what Psalms are. There's a table of contents in the beginning of the Bible, okay? Check it out. It's P.S. Sounds kind of weird. That's how it starts. Read five. Some are long, some are short. But the whole point is to get you emotionally and see how these people are crying out to God. And just maybe, just maybe, you will use one of their prayers in your life. And you will reorientate yourself to be like, man, I really can't give this to God. Yeah, he really can't handle it. Because the secret is, don't tell anybody. He already knows what's going on in there. But it's through prayer he will guard your hearts and your mind. If you want to be guarded, you need to pray. And if you struggle with pray, read the Psalms. Doesn't mean it's going to solve it, but you'll feel a whole lot better about your prayer life if you read them. You see, the resurrection's changed everything. This event has changed everything for the early disciples and it can absolutely change everything for you. Because after this, they were given this mission of reaching people with the gospel. After Jesus resurrected, he gave them the message to reach and to teach people the good news of him. And what you'll see through the book of Acts, you're going to read that. If you're following the story with us, you're going to look at this this week. If you're not following with us, start reading. It's a book in Acts. Again, table of contents, Acts. Look it up. This is all about after the resurrection. What happens to the disciples? Because what you see, if you set your heart and mind on a resurrected Savior, it turns your fears into sincere prayers. You see, Peter and John, they they were arrested for preaching Christ at the temple. They were taken to the same people who killed Jesus. They were taken in front of them, and they told Peter and James, do not preach Christ anymore. Peter said, I'm telling you, I want to be Peter. Peter said, Well, I'm not going to stop speaking what I've seen and heard, so you do what you got to do. Translation, they said, we're not stopping. Does that mean they weren't afraid? Of course they were, but they went with their friends and they got on their knees and they prayed for boldness to continue speaking 
the gospel? What if you took every single thing you were scared about and started praying about it? You really gave it to him. See, if you set your hearts and minds on a resurrected Savior, this is a big one for some of you. Pay attention. For me too, right? It will turn your complaining into praising. Did we know complaining is not a spiritual gift? Some of us are like, yeah, but the Holy Spirit's really empowered me. I'm pretty sure to do it. Listen, this group of people went around preaching and teaching people and were arrested again. Don't do it or we're going to kill you. We're going to do it anyways. This time they were arrested and then they were beaten. They were whipped. Acts 5.41 says the apostle left the Sanhedrin. Check this out. If you fall asleep, pay attention. Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. How many of you would rejoice because you just got beaten for Jesus? Focusing on a resurrected Savior rather than your circumstances changes everything. They don't have to complain. They can praise God because I'm worthy to suffer like Jesus suffered. You're like, man, my mind's going to have to change a lot. I know the resurrection can actually do that. And it will turn your worry who likes to worry? All right, three of us are honest today in church. All of us worry. Focusing on a resurrected Savior will turn your worry into worship. You see, Paul and Silas were arrested and beaten and thrown in jail preaching the gospel. That's a common theme in Acts. Preach the gospel, getting beaten, getting thrown in jail. It's kind of like, I don't, I don't know if I want to sign up for this. But while they're in prison, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And after that, what happened? The shackles were released and they were set free. How many of you would be in the middle of a prison singing hymns, being excited, praising God? Like, man, I'm just going to reach the prison with the gospel now. You're not going to stop me. Instead of fearing, instead of complaining, instead of worrying, can you imagine if we prayed, praised, and worshiped? They're very, very connected. If you're focused on earthly things, you're going to fear, you're going to complain, and you're going to worry. If you're focused on a resurrected Savior, you're going to pray, you're going to praise, and you're going to worship. You see, there's a resurrected Savior who loves you, who's on your side, who's actually predicted his own death and resurrection. And if he can do that, he can do everything else he's promised to do for you and through you, which means there are so many things available to you. You just have to have some hope. You just have to step out on faith. You just got to be bold and stop being scared and worried and realize that if Jesus can conquer the grave, he can conquer whatever I'm going through. See, like you, me too, we get distracted. Things stop us from living a victorious life. But instead of focusing on the negative, focus on the positive. That being Jesus Christ really has risen from the grave.
Jesus Christ really is alive, seated in the position of power, speaking over my life, wanting to use me for his glory. And what if, just a question to ask yourself this week, if you really believed you would never die, what would your life look like? If you actually believed that all death is is a transition to being glory with God, if you really believed that, what would your life look like? How bold would you be? Think about it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father,